are listening to the Citrep Podcast, your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush and let's hit it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the return of the SitRep Podcast. We have been off a few uh, weeks here. Uh, I think our last show was the June 6th D-Day show, and now we're at the end of June. Uh, we had Father's Day in there, you know, and, and just timing and stuff. So uh, we are glad to be back, albeit with some changes to the crew. Um, sadly, um, Gaz is no longer part of the SitRep Podcast team. He has decided to step away and to explore other options, and we wish him well. And uh, so we'll be in the hunt for a new news editor. Um, we will try and fill his shoes until we do. But uh, so uh, good luck, Gaz, wherever you are, and, uh, you know, we wish you nothing but the best. All right, we got that crap it out was, of the way. It was the news thing that did it, wasn't it? Uh, I think you stepped on his toes, man. To be <laughs> honest, you know, last time we had a show, you are like, oh, I got this and I got this, you know, and you're like, man. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't feel loved anymore. Maybe uh, it was. Maybe it was his girlfriend on the on you know the intro. Maybe they finally hooked up and he decided he fell in uh-oh. love and didn't need us yeah. anymore. Right. So, anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, projects we've been working on, projects upcoming, and uh, other things like that. So uh, let me introduce the survivors. At this point in time, I'm going to call us the uh, Mighty Four. Um, starting down in the deep south of the tropics of the United States of God Bless America, Sir Jim O'Riskany. How are you, sir? Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm doing great. Awesome. And then here in the Midwest, representing everything that's mom and apple pie. Boy, I'm really throwing on the patriotic. Well, you know, it is close to our Independence Day. Um Sir Chris, how are you? Good. How are you guys? All right. And Martin, how are you, sir? I am well all. Thank you. Excellent. And then there's myself, Bill, sit rep six. And we are ready to rock and roll this show. And let's get started with the usual format of what's up in your hobby world. So, Marty, we're going to start with you. I know you did a little bit of traveling. Uh, Did you get any inspiration from where you went? So, uh, yeah, we went down to uh, Orlando and uh, did uh, the theme park thing there last weekend. Uh, last week, actually. I came back last Saturday. And, uh, uh, well, if you're into Star Wars stuff, I, I did spend a lot of quality time at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> nice. Did you get so, a lightsaber? Uh, uh, I did not uh, buy a, a lightsaber because uh, apparently the good ones are like $9,000. Oh, they're not that uh, bad. Yeah, they're they're straight up fifteen hundred though. You you can you can spend as much money as you want on True. one of them lightsabers. True. So that will be for a future trip, perhaps. Awesome. But uh, but we did we did have a good time, and uh, you know got to uh, go on the rise rise of the resistance ride. That's one that's really tough to get into. Mm-hmm. Got a they, they've got this crazy system where uh, you you have to uh, be get in a virtual queue and. The virtual queue that opened up at seven in the morning was filled in four seconds. So we didn't make that one, but they opened another one up at uh, one in the afternoon, and uh, 
we, we talked to some of the park staff on, you know, how do you really get into this? And this dude gave us some tips and tricks and bam, got in, got to go ride the ride that afternoon. Pretty excited. Nice. Yeah. And it, it's a cool spot. Uh, and beyond that, uh, let's see. Uh, I uh, have, I was working a little bit on my, my Afghan police guys. Mm-hmm. I'm bat I'm batch painting them and there's like 40 of them. So I'm, it's just taking me a while as well as, uh, our good friend, uh, Chris Long opened his own digital store yep. and, uh, I am order number one from him and his stuff arrived. So, uh, you know, it was kind of a test run as well, just to, you know, make sure the entire system works, all the ordering works, you can pay for it and how long shipping takes all that jazz. Uh, but those arrived, I think Wednesday they got here. Okay. So, uh, they're still on, still on through so I'm, I'm clipping like a platoon's worth of uh uh, uh insurgents uh off their their screws nice nice to be able to get back into it a little bit nice this is all stuff that he has uh 3d printed yeah yeah awesome yeah the, the stuff how's it look license form uh it looks pretty good i mean so when you first get it it's kind of challenging because it's still on screw it's got all the sports and stuff on there oh okay once, once you once you clip them little dudes away I'm like oh that's that's really nice. And, you know, uh, I've got a, uh, a pretty good variety of, you know, so I've got, you know, some guys that are just standing there with a the cell phone. I've got dudes with, uh, heavy machine guns, light machine guns. I got some RPG guys, you know, so there's a good variety of dudes in there. Yeah. Awesome. Which will help flesh out a, a couple of my tables. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. You, you will be seeing them in the future. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, Marty, did you say that you were order number one? Yep. That is not surprising. We've been telling you you're number one for years. Yeah, except you used the wrong finger. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I have to wait for someone else to order because I don't want to be number two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, someone else has ordered, Jim, so you're okay. Outstanding. All right, so Marty, we definitely need to get uh, some kind of pictures or video review of that stuff so we can help Chris out, post it up on the Facebook page, and maybe a little YouTube review yeah. as well. Yeah, well, I, I figured I would clip the dudes off the off the screws first, so that way you can actually see the detail and whatnot. And uh-huh. then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll do something there. Uh, you know, we're certainly show them off. Uh, you know, as uh, before, and then uh, you know maybe do some uh, you know live stream painting or something. Awesome, very cool. All right. Anything else, Marty? Before we move on to the next person? No, that's that's about the that's about all I've done in the past few weeks. All right, uh, Chris, what you been up to? Um, a lot of work and just trying to get stuff around here. Um, unfortunately, I've not had a opportunity to really do any hobbying stuff, but I'm hoping to put that uh, behind me today. Awesome. Okay. And then moving down south, Jim, you know, it's probably been another typical week with you. You read a little bit of this and done much of nothing else. You know, typical light week for you, right? Another lazy week. (laughs) Not much much going on. Um, So, oh, God, this may all be in the wrong order here. But first of all, we started off with some – this past June 22nd, so five days ago as of, the, as of this recording, um, was June 22nd, 2021. 
um, which happened to be the 80th anniversary of what is still largely considered the largest single military attack in the history of mankind. Um, so being the exact 80th anniversary of the day, we didn't want to let that go by us. Of course, I'm talking about Operation Barbarossa, the initial Axis invasion of Soviet of the Soviet Union you know, on June 22nd, 1941. Um, so we didn't really want to let that go completely by us. We didn't really have anything super prepared for it. Uh, so some old battle reports went up on Discord. Uh, we put some stuff up on, on tabletop. And um, most immediately, we ran a small game of um, People's General. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night um, to sort of, you know, commemorate uh, the very first tank battle on the Eastern Front. Uh, that's the Battle of Prujana, which took place right at sunset of that very first day of um, of the German invasion. So like 1,800 hours local, 22 June 1941. Um, a very light game, you know, just something to make sure that the anniversary didn't go completely past us. Um, yeah. And then uh, we had a little bit of a collaboration on Wednesday. We did, uh, we tried the Valor and Victory, uh, the new uh, video game or the new computer game. Yeah. Um, Slytherin, Matrix. Uh, Yobo War Games. There's a there's a partnership structure there. I'm not entirely sure you know, how that works. Um, so we had that stream on Sunday. I'm sorry, on Wednesday. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, nice. I am reading some other. I, I am reading some other reviews uh, of that, and they're having some of the same questions we are, um, uh, particularly around uh, casualty management. Okay. Uh, so there. I can not- tell you there was an update. Uh, I just uploaded it yesterday. I don't think it fixes those items i think it was more of just you know behind the scenes kind of stuff but uh yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, address those issues here there wasn't too much on like the forum pages yet so hopefully we see some it's there, something wrong with the game, the game is no 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 we don't, no. Give, that, we, we don't want to give that impression it's right some uh one of the key mechanics in the original tabletop version of that game is when you take casualties do you pin a lot of your own guys? You know, it's, okay, uh, you're running across a, a hedgerow and you take some MG42 fire. Okay, you take three casualty points or whatever. It doesn't say so many guys killed, so many guys wounded, so many guys pinned down. You take three casualty points. And that sounds kind of abstract, um, except what it's really, what the system's really doing is giving you as the commander the choice. Mm-hmm. Do you have your, do you have your bayonet in your guy's back saying, go, go, go? Um, in which case, okay, maybe you take, maybe those three casualty points equals half a squad killed, or do you, are you being very cautious and okay, those three casualty points are three fire teams or three squads pinned down. Um, and that the, the tabletop game gives you that choice, um, where the computer game seems to do it in a more automated fashion. Um, it does make the game go faster. Uh, I mean, we got through an entire game in what, like. 40 minutes or something like that. Roughly, yeah. After we got all the yeah. technical problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that was, that was, that was in the game. That was the yeah, game that was the game's fault. Um, yeah, but other than that, um, there are some things that are not included in the initial release, but um, I, I actually am kind of in touch with some of the developers, and uh, that stuff is coming out for a second release. Um, last I heard, it was later this year, like maybe November, December. Um, this release did happen right on schedule, so I have no reason to doubt that the next release will, will also be on schedule. Mm-hmm. But for now, it's later on this year, maybe early 2022. That's where you got to get artillery, snipers, uh, and so on. 
Did they say anything about the valorous uh, rule? I, um, I haven't asked that question specifically. Okay. All right. But yeah. Um, <laughs> when you rolled Snake Eyes yeah. that one time, I was like, oh, dude, this is a tabletop game. We be Now, you might not – you get a chance to make the roll. Right. And the it's not is automatic. Very difficult. Yeah. So you may not get a Valorous unit, but, yeah, a Valorous unit, especially on a full stack like that, with a, with a leader in the stack, that's that's a thing of beauty. Yeah. You basically just like 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 a, a fire team of Clint Eastwood, uh, John Rambo, and Charles Bronson just like appears in your order of battle, <laughs> and the enemy just dies. It's just everyone dies. It all burns. It all dies. It, it's it's just horrible. It's a horrible glory. That's awesome. Very cool. And uh, Jim, do you want to talk about what you got coming up next weekend, or do you want to wait and we can talk about that a little bit more detail? Um, later on today, we've got a Barbarossa game uh, scheduled for myself and uh, community membership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, classic Panzer Blitz because, you know, you have to do – Of course. If you're, you're going to do Barbarossa on the Eastern Front, you have to do Panzer Blitz. That's right. literally the game that was written for that. Um, one of the lar- – it's actually the second largest tank battle in human history. It takes place 80 years ago this this week. It's like the 26th through the 30th of uh, June 1941. Um, it's one of the first big Soviet counterattacks against the Barbarossa offensive that we were talking about before. Um, it's a mess. Uh, it's a it's a wild, just tank shit show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're going to do a small piece of that later on today. Obviously, not the whole thing because we'd be here till Christmas. And uh, with next Sunday being Independence Day, um, I will not be running a stream. I'll be out of town. So we are doing some uh, – I've got some 20-millimeter American Revolution um, tables set up. Or I should say I have a table of 20-millimeter American Revolution going. And, uh, yeah, first turn of that has now been played. Um, the filming is in the can. So I'm hoping to have some uh, some actual you know, physical 20-millimeter hobby for American Revolution uh, posted next Sunday. Uh, it'll be right on um, Independence Day. Being Independence Day, uh, it's got to be American Revolution. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to be our, our Sons of Liberty virtual stuff or our American War of Independence People's General. It's going to be an actual old school, you know, little plastic dudes, you know, painted, running around terrain, you know, kind of a table game. Fantastic. Yep. What rule set? Uh, we'll have to watch the video <laughs> and find out. Uh, it's, 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 it's an unconventional rule set, but it's a rule set I've used before. We okay. used it for our, uh, it's not muskets and tomahawks. I tried muskets and tomahawks. I know it's really popular. I know a lot of people like it. I don't like it. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for, uh, uh, for a number of reasons that I don't want to trash the game, but it's not that one. It's not rebels and red coats because that's too complicated. It's not patriots and whatever the hell the other one is because uh, it's too simple. American people have asked me this. There's even a thread of it, uh, a thread about this in the forums on, on tabletop. Like, what's a good American Revolution war game? It's tough. There aren't a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Sharp's practice doesn't work uh, for that. Um, the black powder doesn't work for it. It just doesn't. Um, for a lot of reasons. American Revolution seems to be one of those conflicts where no one writes rules for it, really. They write rules for Seven Years' War. They write rules for American Civil War. They write rules for Napoleonics. And then they say, oh, well, it's all good, man. You can play American Revolution with that because black powder and flags and and flutes and drums, it's all the same, right? It's not all the same. 
All right, they're rocket scientists. It really isn't. Um, and you run into a lot of problems. Also, as we all know, the American Revolution is tremendously asymmetrical. It's got all these special conditions that don't apply to continental conflicts like, again, uh, Napoleonics or Seven Years' War, all this other stuff. It's it's a tough fit. Yeah. Um, so I got another system. It, it works uh, surprisingly well. It's it's kind of surprising when, when people hear, like, you're using that for this? Really? And you're complaining about Sharp's practice? Um, believe it or not, it kind of works. So, yeah, hopefully, um, again, the footage is all in the can. I have to ADR all the footage, uh, all the dialogue and narration. I have to put effects in, music, you know. It's going to be a little bit of work, uh, but it'll be ready to go before uh, uh, July 4th for sure. All right, awesome. Very cool. All right. Uh, for myself, I've been uh, obviously finishing up the uh, three-part uh, video series on the uh, diorama model, uh, War Without Hate. Um, apologize that we didn't get part three out last Wednesday, but I was not happy with the initial soundtrack, so I redid it this uh, past weekend. And uh, it's in the in the can scheduled to go out noon um, Wednesday, noon BST, to give our friends over on the other side of the pond uh, an opportunity to uh, watch it instead of waiting till like late in the evening for them. Um, so it'll be 6 a.m. Central Daylight Time. Um, so, yeah, that's done. Um, you're going to learn that I did a huge rookie mistake. Huge. Um, I I just, for whatever reason, wasn't thinking and just started slapping on some nun oil. And I went, son of a bitch. Um, so watch the video and you will, you know, learn all about that. So, um, you know. The only thing I can tell you is... But I thought none oil fixed everything. No. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh, I'm going to have to change my painting technique. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you will learn a wise piece of advice somebody told me. When you get to a point where you think it's good enough, leave it the hell alone. Quit trying to do better because eventually you're going to overdo it and just mess it all up. Um, so there's that. So if I'm okay with miniatures, that's cool. Say that again, Chris. If if I'm okay with unpainted miniatures, is that cool? No. Well, no, I you mean, need to just slather yours in nun oil. Yeah, just slather yours in nun oil. I mean, if there's no paint on them, it ain't gonna screw it up. So, um, well, I've seen my painting, and without paint, they look better. Well, you know, that goes back to a conversation we've had on this podcast many a times about painted minis versus non-painted. Play with what you got. If you don't want to paint them, don't paint them. You know, just understand that in some environments, unpainted minis are a no-no. Um, you know, but if it's a casual, friendly game, who cares? We'll just make fun of you. That's that's all. I was going to say, although, you know, we are going to give you crap about it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If I put a lot of effort into it and showed up with them, You'd still give me a lot of crap about it. Well, so. to be honest, Chris, even if they were like the best painted miniatures, we'd still give you crap. That's just the way it yeah. is. So, and if you put two, and if you put two colors on a piece of plastic, we'll be amazed, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, three colors and up is the uh, tournament standard, right? Yeah, so. something like that. So, um, as Jim said, 
you know, he's working on uh, his uh, 20 millimeter American Revolution, War of Independence, whatever the proper term, depending where you're at, is, um, which, you know, got me thinking about some other projects. You know, I have that big old box of the Civil War set, um, you know, from uh, Warlord Games, and I'm still working on that. I've, I think I've come up with a, a, a newer method for speed painting uh, at least the Union troops. It's going to involve some simple masking, but I think I can do it with an airbrush and some uh, painter's tape and get, you know, them down and then just go over them with little details here and there. But I'll probably do a video on that. But I really was trying to get everything together to celebrate another big battle that happens this coming week oh, yeah. um, during the American Civil War. And the big one. The, the big one. Uh, the biggest battle ever to take place in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, Jim, you want to give us a little rundown on that one? Uh, yeah, we're talking about the Battle of Gaines Mill. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, did I do something wrong? Did I not? No. <laughs> no, of course, we're talking about Gettysburg. Yeah. The big one. Uh, the Waterloo of the Americas, um, some would say. Um, yeah, July 1st through 3rd, 1863, uh, Army of Northern Virginia versus Army of the Potomac, uh, Lee versus Meade. And, um, yeah, the big throwdown in southern Pennsylvania, that sort of uh, was one of several battles. It, was, mm-hmm. it, it often kind of gets credit as, like, the turning point. It's one of several, um, or at least two, that kind of take place really right about almost on the exact same day. July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd is Gettysburg, and July 4th, kind of in its shadow, is uh, the fall of, I think it's Vicksburg, over on the Mississippi. So the Confederacy took, like, they had a really bad week, um, those four days. Uh, They wound up taking two massive defeats, both on the eastern end of the war and the western end of the war, and uh, that was pretty much it. Because once they lost Vicksburg, that was pretty much the end of their control of the uh, – Mississippi River, and that more or less slices off the the western third of the Confederacy. Yeah. So. Wow, yeah, that was a that long was battle. I'm looking at the. It started. It was a, the siege of Vicksburg started May 18th and ended July 4th. Wow. Yeah, Vicksburg. I mean, again, Gettysburg is the one I know a lot about. Uh huh. Um, it's the, it's you know the big classic you know maneuver battle you know black powder you know everyone does it. Uh, in miniature form or board game form, Vicksburg in a lot of ways is more interesting because it's it's it, again like you're saying it's more of a siege than a battle, which means it's tough to war game. Mm-hmm. Also, you're going to need all kinds of gunboats, paddle wheels, uh, ironclads. It's it's a big combined arms sort of an operation. Uh, there's a lot of I guess what we would almost sort of consider. I mean, it's not off an ocean; it's off a river, mm-hmm. so it's like amphibious light. Um, kind of operations. There's a lot of stuff going on there. It's a very complex battle uh, in terms of logistics and, you know, yeah. different arms of the service or whatever, um, especially for that era. Yeah, I was looking at uh, just some basic statistics. It was estimated 110,000 uh, soldiers were involved, uh, 77,000 Union, 33,000 Confederates. And out of those 110,000, they had 37,000 casualties. Uh, 4,900 to the Union side and 32,000 to the Confederates. Jeez. Yeah, that number gets... Damn. It's not... It, it sounds like a... Well, number one, yes, the Confederates lost the battle. Yeah. But with battles like sieges, Stalingrad, Leningrad, um, Vicksburg, 
uh, you know, all these big sieges, you gotta, I don't want to say that it's not right, but it's a siege. Yeah. So Vicksburg surrounded. And when the siege ends in victory for the, or victory for the force that's doing the besieging, what usually happens is the entire enemy garrison winds up as POWs. And that's technically a casualty. So you said it was like 33,000 Confederates involved and 32,000 of them were casualties. Yeah. Something like that. You said. Yeah. That's the, that's the garrison surrendered. Yeah. You got marched off in prisoner of war camps. Um, that's why you have nearly a 100% casualty rate. That's crazy. It's it's a bit of a of a statistical uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm, it's not, it's not like I'm glad to hear that because I thought all those dudes got killed when you said that. Like, no, that's yeah. that's killed and wounded and surrendered. You know, loss of troops well, to the yeah, army. Yeah. yeah, casualties goes from KIA to PWAP, pregnant without permission. <laughs> um, no, I'm serious. A casualty is it's 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 a casual personnel it's someone yeah. who is not active so if you're not active for any reason technically when you're on leave you're a casualty you are on you are a combat non-effective yeah um again that's just an admin statistics thing kind of thing, you know but wait when it comes to sieges and you get these really crazy uh you know casualty figures that's usually what it is it's a surrendering garrison savannah in the american civil war i'm sorry the american war of independence is like that um saratoga for the british is like that uh, in the American Revolution, yeah, you get these completely wonky uh, casualty rates. And again, prisoner of war (POW) is technically a casualty mm-hmm. classification. Mm-hmm. That's just crazy. So those are uh, a couple of the other big battles uh, in history at this time. Uh, there's one more that just would have happened um, here uh, in the last couple of days. Um, one that's near and dear to my heart. And that's the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Um, it happened June 25, 26, 1876. And he didn't win. He didn't survive. So I actually have the Worthington Games uh, Battle of the Little Bighorn. Um, I got on a Kickstarter. I have yet to play it. I might have to crank it out now and do a little anniversary tribute to uh, old George and the 7th Cav. Um, so... so- so when you say crank that out, how many miniatures are you talking about? No, no, it, it's a, it's a, it's not a true hex and counter war game. It uses grid areas, and then you get these big counters that represent, you know, so many people. Um, they're not like little hex uh, counters like in Panzer Blitz or in Avalon Hill. They're kind of bigger chits, um, and, and it's area of control and stuff like that. So I'll have to. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm like, However, that, that, it does bring up a, a good point. Because you could easily do the Battle of the Bighorn in 10 mil easily. Yeah, it's, what, 200 on the on the cavalry side? Yeah, it was about 180 to 200 uh, cavalry, 7th Cav, you know, after they split their army. And uh, I can't remember how many thousand Indians there were. It wasn't a lot. It was like two, 3,000, was it? Maybe, that's, maybe it's a little more, a little less. But... Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, you only got to put together 180, 200 uh, cavalry guys, and then just you know, build your little and hill and ravines. You can you can kind of uh, handle the uh, like like in a lot of uh, Rourke's Drift games, you can handle the uh, the American um, the American natives as sort of a like a wave tactic or something, right? You don't have to build like right. two or three thousand. Exactly. Exactly. And was it really that many? I mean, that war has kind of that battle's kind of gone down, or is sometimes characterized as like this. Oh, you know, a technologically superior 
um, U.S. cavalry force versus this huge force of, uh, uh, you know, Native Americans. I, I actually think that one of the one of the many reasons um, the cavalry lost that battle is that the uh, the, Na- the Native Americans I think had more advanced weapons than the cavalry did in a lot of cases. Um, I think the Henry. Uh, I probably shouldn't have brought this up because I'm not I'm not on firm enough ground here. Uh, some of some of the rifles that uh, the Native Americans were using were actually more advanced than the uh, repeaters that the uh, cavalry were using, if memory serves. Right, because a lot of the Indians were using um, Winchesters, repeating rifles, whereas the um, 7th Cavalry was using, uh, still using um, Remingtons and uh, Sharps carbines, cavalry carbines. Uh, they yeah, weren't repeating there's like, rifles. There, there's there, there's the Henry Martini or Henry Martin. I'm getting something wrong here. I should probably Google it up. Um, but there's another kind of rifle in there that I think somehow they were buying from the French, or there was a Spanish guy who had a bunch of them. He was selling them. Or I can't. Actually, again, I probably shouldn't be running my mouth about this. But yeah, the uh, they had a, they had like a back channel of arms that was um, actually doing pretty well compared to um, what the Southern Cavalry was using. Yeah. So it's not just a you know, American cavalry force with good rifles against this huge force uh, with guys with bows and arrows. It's no, the Native Americans actually had, in many cases, better weapons. Um, and then, of course, they outnumbered them. And, of course, they had them outflanked on four sides. And, of course, of course, of course, there was a whole lot going into uh, going into that uh, that disaster. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of tactical missteps leading up to that. Absolutely. So, according to um, I just accessed it. The um, U.S. military, the U.S. Army's uh, American military history, volume, which one is this? Uh, volume one, American military history, pro- published by the United States Army. Uh, their estimate, based on everything that they were able to uh, get from information, it was two thousand uh, American Indians under Sitting Bull and. Um, Oh my God! Crazy Horse and others, you know, Sue um, and Cheyenne um, versus the two hundred um, soldiers of Custer's command. So, yeah. So. Yeah, the Henry repeating rifle. Yeah. Um, is one of the many one of the rifles that uh, Native Americans were using on top of everything else. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Those are some of the battles that have taken place. Uh, and during this time frame that are well, better well-known, uh, obviously there were others. You know, you could pull, pull, bring up a list and there'd be others throughout history, but those are some that are very well-known uh, to us. We, we, we talked about this once before where it was like, you know, you go through February, not that many battles going on, mm-hmm. like anniversaries. Once you hit June, July, it's like every day there's something. Yeah. Every day it's there's several battles. Season. War is seasonal. Yes. Especially yeah. in history, when you know, like nowadays, war is a twenty-four hour, three sixty-five, you know, a year thing. Uh, back in the day, now you had to wait for nice weather. Um, it's going to taper off by the time you get into August and September. But right now, we're uh, we're in um, our busy season, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. Well, even when I was in Afghanistan, you know, we we would see uh, seasonal increases in in fighting. You know, so I mean, it it's still it's still around today. Not to the same uh, extent it was back then, but, uh, you know, that's, that's still a thing. Oh, yeah. Well, not just that. Um, 
you know, even closer to us in Chicago. When it gets hot out, people get stupid. Um, yeah, and that's true. Of bad weather uh, and and cold will uh, keep it down uh, to a. Uh, I was gonna say a dull roar. I don't know if that's true in Chicago, but a duller roar, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I also want to bring up one thing in history. Um, two days ago was also uh, anniversary of the start of the Korean War. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh, I didn't know that. For some reason, I I yep. see it starting in, like in the fall winter. I mean, to me, the Korean War always seems like perpetual winter, and I know that's not the case, but. Well, it's because the big battle at uh, Chosen Reservoir, I think, is what so many of us think of when we think of the Korean War. Right. But yeah. uh, as as we know from MASH, yeah, you know, <laughs> it happened in the summer, too. Yeah. <laughs> of course, if we listen to MASH, the Korean War lasted 11 years. But Yeah, and uh, Mobile Hospital, that never moved. Oh, no, they moved, but they went back. Once in a while. Oh, they, was, they moved yeah. like twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was very infrequent. Yeah. All but, right. But, um, yeah. We, we, that, that, before. we know how much of a pain that is. That, that, war, that war is very, very uh, fluid, very mobile, the first year only. Once you get to the summer of 51, it pretty much locks in place. Um, so the idea that the mass unit doesn't move around a lot makes a sort of sense. At least for like fifty, uh, the the back end of fifty one, uh-huh. fifty two, and fifty three. But that, yeah, nineteen fifty and the beginning part of fifty one, that war was all over the place. Literally from Pusan perimeter to almost the Yalu River, it ran up and down the whole length of that peninsula. Hmm. Awesome. So there you go, another uh, important moment in combat battle history. All right, let's do some news. Shall we do some news? Let me get the. Oh, never mind. That doesn't apply anymore. We're going to have to come up with a new news uh, theme here. Son of a bitch. All right. In the news, this podcast show, let's start out with things from the basement. Things from the basement has shown off their new feudal Japan uh, samurai residence. Uh, My only question is, and... I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but uh, I was I'm looking at it and it's quite impressive. You've got three buildings uh, surrounded by the high, you know, classical um, walled fence gates of um, the compound. It's 16 inches by 16 inches, 28 millimeter scale. Uh, complex features four separate buildings, all connected by walkways and platforms. Roof sections are removable, obviously, so you can use it for you know test of honor and things like that. My question is: Is it pre-colored or is it not? Uh, let's see. According to this, unassembled and unpainted. Okay, so there you go. It looks really nice painted. I mean, it looks really pretty. So, guys, uh, things from the basement, Feudal Japan, uh, Samurai Residence. So, if you're looking for some Test of Honor Feudal Japan in 28 millimeter for terrain pieces, it's $105 on sale, normally 111 So, um here on the Sit Rep Podcast, we're going to tell you how much things cost. Unlike some other places where they don't want to tell you things price, as the time of this recording, that's how much it costs if you're looking to budget for it. And I see on the website it says they've only got a few left. Yeah. So if that's your jam, you might want to jump on it. Right. I might have to get one. No, not really. I, I can't. Not right and now. That, not right that's now. It's a really cool looking It is. It's beautiful. It, up, it is beautiful. So, something near and dear to Jim, I bet. Oh. Battle Group Stalingrad is out for oh. pre-order. 
Nice. Yeah. So if you're uh, a fan of the Battle Group Rule series, uh, the you next. Be. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best World War II miniature game I've had. Well, it's the best one that I've played. Yeah. Um, I, the only reason I don't say it's the best period is because there are some out there that I haven't played. I haven't tried. Uh, I think it's Chain of Command. I haven't tried Rapid Fire. Uh, some of the uh, Two Fat Lardy stuff I haven't tried. Mm-hmm. But as far as the ones that I've tried, um, it's not my favorite World War II game, but it's my favorite World War II miniatures game um, that I've tried so far, to be sure. Awesome. So uh, Plastic Soldier Company put up teaser, the uh, cover of the uh, rule book or the expansion, and uh, it will be uh, up for pre-order very soon. I was looking at some of the peers' pictures uh, for the rule book he was doing. He posted some on Facebook. And as always, it's going to be amazing. He does excellent work. So, Just curious, is the book hardcover or is it uh, softcover? You know what? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. As a um, any, any book is gorgeous, to be sure. Yeah. Um, the hardcover books were, were like 50 bucks. They were pretty expensive. But, yeah. I mean, damn, they were worth it. I mean, even if you don't like the game system, which you should because the game system is awesome. Um, uh, the books are just like, uh, they're they're really, really nice books. Yeah, they really are. I've uh, able to get some PDF versions. Um, so Because Jim and I still have to play a little bit of, uh, you know, yeah. So. In these days, we have to make time for it. Yeah, we sure do. We're right. going to do uh, Vakdam Rhine, right? Yep. Uh, the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I believe that's what we decided on doing. Okay. So, uh, moving on to another World War II themed game. This one's coming out of War Games Atlantic. I didn't know they were still around. I thought they got absorbed by Warlord, but I guess not. Um, they're coming out with new miniature sets. These are plastic for a new game. They are calling uh, the new game is by Gray for Now Games, which I'm trying to remember what else they make. Uh, I know that name, um, but the game that they're playing is called Zero Two Hundred Hours: Night Raids in World War Two. Uh, it's a skirmish game of nighttime raids as well as uh, you know World of Blaze Range. That's the War Games Atlantic. So you'll be joining French partisans, French infantry, Panzer Lair, and some other World War Two sets that are already in the works. So the miniatures look very interesting. I'm going to be honest with you. They look a little cartoony, personally. I don't know if that's just the artwork because they, they don't have... Um, yeah, they're kind of heroic. Don't yeah. they look cartoony? Like video a game little, cartoony? A little, a, yeah, a little, a little bit. I mean, they're yeah. good looking, but yeah, yeah, they do have that kind of flavor to them. Yeah. Although, Does that uh, uh, come down to how you paint it, or are you able to kind of mitigate that? With well, they it? only show uh, one picture of it, and it's 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 not a miniature, you know, actual photo of miniatures. It's like an artist rendition, and it just looks um, cartoony, video um, game-ish. Although I think this is something that Chris ought to jump on. Anything called gray for now. You know, unless they, <laughs> unless they change their name to Grey Forever. So. Oh, no. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Uh, you just throw some gray paint on it, some nun oil, and call it done. Done. It's done. night anyways, right? Everything there, looks black and white at night anyways. So, there you go, Chris. Say, if, if, if it comes out, if it, if it starts off gray, you put a wash on it, now it looks like a black and white photograph. Yeah, I can't <laughs> say, this seems like it's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, you know, if I do some of the uh, um, priming, I forgot what this is called. Um, priming? I had the, no. Top <laughs> down from the... Xenothal? Yeah, the Xenothal. Uh, you do that. Uh-huh. That's 
Yep. Well, Marty, we're also giving him credit because these are plastic sets, so I'm assuming that means uh, assembly required. Uh, it doesn't say. Yeah, so. I can build. And he, he likes sorry, building stuff. Yeah. Ponser Lair. I mean, that's that's not a name. That's not a division you normally associate with raids, to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, Brandenburger Regiment or Regiment Two Thousand, Brandenburger Two Hundred. Those are like German special forces, uh, Sunder Commando or whatever. You know, that makes sense. Um, if I understand the pretense of the game right, or the, I should say the, the the context of the game, uh-huh. uh, it's like it's like commandos, raids, partisans, resistance fighters, raids, special forces, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. Panzer Lair wasn't really a special force, to my knowledge. If I'm thinking about the right thing, like okay. 106 maybe, Panzer Grenadier Division Panzer Maybe Panzer Lair is just there so the rest of them have something to raid. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? That's actually a good point. Panzer Lair was, if we're thinking about the same unit, again, with the German, you never really know because their military was very strangely organized in some ways. Um, was they were really running a little Panzer Divisions near the end of the war, and they said, where, are we, where can we get we got plenty of tanks. We don't have enough crew. Mm-hmm. So they made the genius move of emptying out the uh, Panzer training school. Oh. And they took all the instructors out of the Panzer training school. So you had one kick-ass division. Gotcha. You had all the guys, all, all the actual instructors were pretty much formed the NCOs and officer corps of this division. And they filled it in with some recruits or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but then when that unit was more or less wiped out, in Operation Cobra, uh, you didn't have any new. <laughs> you, you had blown up your your Panzer school. Gotcha. So after that, uh, the quality of the German Panzer troop kind of went in the toilet. Uh, okay. Well, looking at the web page, it says the uh, the first two kits is German sentries, the classic foe for stealthy World War II ops. So I I think that maybe they're designed yeah. to be the op four, so you can use and, and, your partisans and whatnot against them. Yeah. Panzer layer is, is most. Um, Famously deployed in northern France, uh, part of Normandy. So yeah, it makes sense with French, uh, French uh, Marquis resistance kind of guys. Gotcha. So uh, how I said uh, Gray for Games, I've heard of and I couldn't remember. They're the ones who produce uh, Test of Honor now. They took it back from uh, Warlord, and they're so that's why I know them. So ah, okay, uh, yeah. So go. they're they're doing the Test of Honor game, the the second edition or new edition, whatever you want to call it. So. Awesome. All right, let's move on. So, um, Empress Minute. Well, before we do that, we've got to give a shout-out to our, our good friends, uh, Bob Mack. Um, and um, I'm telling you what, have you seen the new uh, Chieftains that they've, uh, they're going to be putting out in their uh, next, uh, I think, it's, is it a new Kickstarter? This um, is for Vietnam, right? Yeah, uh, Kickstarter schedule to go live on July 9th. So, this is... Um, B-O-R, I think. Um, Army of the Rhine. They're doing the, the next Kickstarter oh. Army of the Rhine. So they're going to have Chieftains. Um, and they show it in three different scales. It looks like a 28 mil, a 20, and a 15. Um, and it looks great in all three scales. So yeah, a, a, chief, a, a Chieftain? Yeah. FV4201 oh, Chieftain. Yep. Sorry, uh, we had, when we they were when they were on the show last, they were talking about Vietnam. Yeah, so, that was their old Kickstarter. This is the new upcoming one. I had Vietnam on the brain. Sorry, gotcha. uh, to my knowledge, chieftains were never in Vietnam, so I meant centurions. Yeah, 
Dude, a chieftain in 28 millimeter, that's going to be a beast. That's yeah. going to be a, you better have a back brace on when you lift that. <laughs> that's going to be a monster. So uh, yeah. my question is, can I take it down to 10? I just want to see if I, how, how small can I go? Um, yeah, but the three examples I show is 28, 20, and 15. So I want to take it down to 10 so we can bring them into, um, um, you know, um, North Egg. So, um, might want to talk to, uh, Chris Long might be able to get to you in 10. Yeah, I, I can do it. I got my printer. I just got to get the file. So we'll definitely give it a shot. All right. Moving on to some more Vietnam since you have it on the brain, sir. Empress Miniatures has gone crazy with their uh, Vietnam line. Um, they've got Arvin paratroops uh, minis uh, they're showing off. Um, really look really good. They're What really impressed me with these guys is I'm looking at, uh, it looks like an officer type. You know, he's pointing with a pistol, so that pretty much tells you he's an officer type. And I'm looking at his kit, and everything looks proportionate. Um, you know, it's not super big rifles, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the uniform looks correct. So, um, they have the Arvin paratroopers. They have, what else did I see? Um, where are they? I lost the other page here. Uh, they have a, uh, Arvin with, it looks like a, a 30, 30 cal. Uh, you know, he's hand firing it for whatever reason, but, uh, you know, he does have it and it looks great. You know, he's wearing a poncho, um, which, you know, is in the rainy season. That seems appropriate. Um, and they had other ones that I wanted to show. They have um, a, what do they call this, a ferret and Saladin armor cars. I think that's modern, though, yep. right? That's not Vietnam, per se. I'm not sure exactly when they came out, but it's modern-ish. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. So I, I, I'll tell you, man, uh, Empress is doing a tremendous job and their... Um, Vietnam line. And along with that, there's another company called Full Metal Miniatures out of uh, Kent, England, and they have showing off work in, project, pro, work in progress Anzac officer and RTO, radio operator. And they look really good. My criticism, and I know these are work in progress, so I'm going to give them the, doubt, the benefit of the doubt. The M16s that they guys are holding or shouldering, holy crap, they're huge. They they seem way out of scale, so uh, hopefully they'll fix that in the finals. So, and then they showed off uh, again some guys carrying look at the M sixties. Again, the Anzacs. Go ahead. Anzacs normally carry FNs. No, a lot of them or I think what? were carrying M sixteens. If I if okay. from what I saw, I mean they probably had uh, probably had a mixture, but. Uh, the M16, according to the note under this, says the M16 may be changed to an SLR. So they That's might change it. Yeah. yeah, so. FN Fall is the original British name, uh, the British Belgian name. And then, of course, that's the second most commonly used assault rifle in the world right after the AK. Yeah. Especially back in the 60s and 70s. And then God knows. It's got, it's like the L1A1 in the British service. The Canadians have a name for it. It's like the C1 or something. Uh, the Australians have a name for it. Yeah, so. Yeah, the FN battle rifle, whatever. Yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so there's a big push in doing some Vietnam uh, miniature battling going on, which is really cool. Um, I love how half of Vietnam releases are Anzacs, and they made up like one percent of the <laughs> uh, 
force they had like I think the max they ever had there was like five thousand people. Um in a war that was up to like seven hundred thousand at one point. So it's less than one it's less, literally less, less than one percent. Yeah. Um outside of Tet Offensive they never left uh Fuktoy province. So it's like one small corner and they were in there for like four of the ten years and they never left that one province and they made up like less than one percent of the total Allied forces. And yet it's like I guess, I think it's because so many of these companies come from Great Britain. Probably. And, and, and Australia. Britain, yeah. Yeah, Great Britain, Australia, New Zealand. I think uh, Battlefront is still out of New Zealand, right? As far as I know, um, yeah. They're still stationed there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's it's just like this huge uh, a confirmation bias yeah. about uh, Anzacs. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. It, it gives you, you know, it's better than just the typical American, American, American. It's nice to throw in some more flavor. Um, I, I did nice see, some, see some Arvin guys. Be, be, be yeah, there. yeah. Ar- Arvin has this terrible reputation, and ninety nine percent of the time they totally deserve it. Um, but there were some good units, like thirty seventh Ranger Battalion. Um, there were there were some Arvin guys at Caisson uh, that stuck with the Marines the whole way through. Um, uh, the big Special Forces battle at uh, Long Bay had some, um, I think it was Thai Special Forces. So it's nice to see, you know, like you were saying, not just U.S. Army, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some other factions in there as well. Yeah. So I want to close out the news with one final piece. Uh, again, going back to Empress Miniatures, and they showed off some um, miniatures that were painted by, what's her name, Sarah Collins, 28 millimeter. These are um, the... Anglo Zulu war miniatures, um, beautiful miniatures. So of course, Rourke's drift. You've got you know, Color Sergeant Bourne and and um, oh my God, I, holy crowd! They're all their names are escaping me right now. Um, so just beautifully painted. And if you guys are into that, like I am, I definitely would like to pick some of these up and work on those. So I have some uh, minis from this uh, from Warlord, but I think I'd like to pick these up as well. So. Very cool. All right. Um, that's going to close out the news. So we're going to transition into some topics. And I'm going to open up because I found out I'm rich. I am very rich. Hi, Rich. I'm Marty. <laughs> <laughs> you want, and everybody's going, yeah, what? Good today. What do you mean you're rich? Yeah. Okay. Here's how, I, I, here's how I'm going to quantify this. So, believe it or not, I was actually trying to go through stuff in my hobby room and, and in my other hobby closet and just start organizing things because it's just getting ridiculous. I open up my gun locker. What? I have ammunition that I didn't know I had. So, there, I'm rich because right. ammunition right now is ridiculous. I have 45 Colt. I have 45 70. I have 357 Mag. I have 9 mil. Um I got some thirty uh, a three oh eight, so I mean I've got a little bit a little bit, but you know. So anyways, outside of that, related to this hobby, I started going through boxes in the hobby closet. I got a lot of stuff that um I forgot I had or oh, crap. You know, I have like the whole test of honor be, you know, starter set. I've talked about that before. But I also have a ton of like Lord of the Rings stuff from Warlord Games that's still in the plastic. And, uh, and I mean, I just have a little bit of everything, um, which goes to that conversation, you know, that pile of shame and wanting to buy more before you finish what you have. It's a sickness, you know? Um, 
It's just crazy how much stuff I have. Describe you, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) So, I may not be. uh, I could have told you that without you digging through the closet. So you know, a lot of crap, dude. Right, and you know, so you know, crap. No, it's not. But you know, and I mean, I have literally huge shipping boxes of MDF terrain. I forgot I even had. with the group. Well, there's a whole industrial complex that's in 28 millimeter. Really? Yes. That's going to be some big stuff if it's in 28. So, yeah. So, uh, friends and family discount. <laughs> well, throw that, uh, throw that my way. The funny I'll thing you say. The funny. It's funny you say that, Marty, because um, I don't know if you guys are aware. I haven't had a chance to talk to my dear friends lately. Uh, but Don and I are in the planning stages of our five-year plan our five-year plan is in within five years we're selling everything and we're going to buy a boat and we're going to live on a boat in down in florida um, and be able to travel uh-huh. like across to bimini and the bahamas and things like that and then work remotely so that is our plan you have to offload a ton of crap well yeah but i know some people who would probably like some of my crap yeah. Before yeah. I go off and mass sell it. So, yeah. you know. Especially the industrial train, oddly <laughs> enough. Works very well for Batman. Well, or Crisis that, Protocol. Uh, it, right. As well as uh, uh, Delta One Zero. Yep. Uh, in literally set in an industrial setting. Yeah. Well, you know, just to give you an idea, what you know, what's that? You know that uh, elevated. Um, Train we have down in the one room that we had on the hobby set. Yeah, that's part of that set. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a nice. couple factories and buildings and stuff in there as well. So, yeah. So I mean, it just kind of go back to is how many people forget what kind of stuff they have. I mean, I'm looking at I've got one, two, three, three, four packages of terrain MDF terrain still sealed in packaging here that I haven't put together. I've got several um, Courage and Contact from White Dragon Miniatures, you know, Afghanis and things like that. I They're still in the package. Um, you know, it's just, the thing is, it's so hard to keep up with what's going on. And, you know, unless you're a dedicated person, i.e. Jim, you know, if you're like me, it's like, ooh, that's cool. I need to have that. Ooh, that's cool. I got to have that. So... I honestly think there needs to be a professional therapist that handles just um, hobbying, you know, because I have a lot of stuff I'm honestly never probably going to ever use or play, you know. So it's just amazing how much stuff you could collect and, you know, be rich, quote, unquote, in in one way and be poor in another or, you know, not not rich. And you have, my friend. Because I, I, I've, I've seen uh, much of that stuff, and yeah, you got a <laughs> lot of stuff, dude. A yeah. lot. Well. And it's all over. It you is. Know, it's not just like one thing. I mean, there, there's different uh, different scales and genres and yeah. all that stuff. And it's not even confined to one room in this house, you know? We've got the yeah. hobby room. We've got the stuff right. down. We built that table in the garage. We got, Speaking of which, we need to do another Saturday Night Live episode um, here. Yeah, so. well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I think uh, you know I bring over that stuff I got from Chris Wong, and we kind of slap some paint and drink some beer and talk some crap. 
Hey, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's do that. You going to do uh, any safety rails or anything? No, because I actually bought saw blades. No, I actually got saw blades for my sawzall. We'll just chop those legs down so that way Marty doesn't. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to get Marty a safety helmet. You know. Uh, Yeah, and and uh, (laughs) made a bubble wrap. (laughs) So yeah. Although although we determined that you know maybe I need to fall in every episode because that seemed to have been pretty popular. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was very well requested. Yeah. my my daughter uh, downloaded that video and saved it. Uh, <laughs> you know, bookmarked uh, the, the spot where I fall. Nice. You know, everybody who knows you and loves you, Marty, whether they game or not, they enjoyed that video. Yeah, true that. Yeah. So <laughs> true. Awesome. Um, so yeah, we'll have to do another Saturday night uh, live episode. Everybody really enjoyed that, and it was a lot of fun. And you know, it's nice to be able to just hobby and not worry about a format and just you know talk about whatever and you know just kind of, it was there just to have and, fun really yeah and, and uh, it's a good opportunity to uh you know engage with the, the community yeah you know, we you know doing it in a live stream format you know people can pop on and you know throw whatever out there make whatever comments they want yeah most definitely so, um, good times. yeah, very good time. So we'll definitely p- plan another one after the 4th of July holiday. Sometime in July, we'll throw it together another Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, I did do uh, Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. Promos or something. No, just saying we're going to put out some promos because it's on a, it's on a, on a, uh, one of, it's, it's not on one of our typical nights. Right. Usually we're Wednesday and, and Sunday. Right. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes like the Barbarossa stream, when we game on an off day, uh, where we, we, when we run a stream on the off day, people aren't expecting it. Exactly. And, yeah. We'll we, definitely yeah, promote it. Um, the YouTube comments and the, the YouTube views catch up later, but during the stream, nobody knows you're on. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely promote the heck out of it. And, uh, we yeah, might try and start a little bit earlier. So we catch the East, uh, the East coast crew, the, uh, opposite side of the pond crew. Um, cause yeah, we did have a few people that stayed with us. Like unbelievably they stayed, you know, I couldn't even imagine what time it was overseas. I mean, it was like three in the morning when it yeah. wrapped up in the UK. Yeah. There's some night owls over there, especially on a Saturday. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely, I'll have to work on like a cool intro and some music and yeah, we'll promote it. And uh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good time. How are the, uh, speaking of getting together and hanging out, how are the COVID restrictions up by you guys? What COVID restrictions? We're out. I was going to say down here. They're, 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 I was going to say they're essentially gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still some, one-off places that will ask you to wear a mask while you're in there, but you know there's no uh, no group restrictions anymore. Uh, the state doesn't require any uh, masks or anything. You know, like I said, individual uh, businesses can obviously make that choice if that's where they're at. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much uh, gone away now. So yeah, the, the only place here are- to get together. That really requires masking is uh, healthcare facilities. So I still have to wear yeah. a mask every day, all day. So it's kind of a yeah, pain in the butt, da- but we do. Yeah, my daughter is uh, working uh, at the uh, physical therapy office, and uh, they're doing the same thing. They're still in masks. Yeah. So hopefully in another month or so we can, you know, because uh, I just heard that three counties in the Chicagoland area reported no new cases. Uh, DuPage, Will, and I can't remember who the other one was. So, Marty, for you guys, you're good. Uh, no new cases, so yeah, buddy. we're on the way. Yeah. So, so to Jim's point, 
I I feel the next question that Jim is thinking. I can feel the vibe all the way from Southern Florida. Uh, I think a meetup, eh? Yeah, I was a war gaming uh, weekend. You know, yeah, later on, uh, later on in the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if like uh, like a boot camp style kind of a meetup, but um, I don't know. I mean, I've got plans for potentially October heading across the pond and uh, maybe, well, of course, uh, July 4th weekend. But um, yeah, I've got a lot of vacation days to burn, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh huh. So guys, you guys out there uh, listening to this podcast, comment in, the, in, in whatever format you're listening to us on Facebook, YouTube, or the plethora of podcasting, or send us an email at sitrep.podcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know if that'd be something you'd be interested in. What kind of games you'd like to see? Um, I, I can already name two games, Jim, that we definitely, if we do a weekend, have to play, and that's Skirmish Sit Rep and uh, Battle Carry Sabo. Oh man, yeah, we did. We need some. Uh, we need a nice big table and some six millimeter armor. Yeah, because those are your rule sets. So um, I claim responsibility <laughs> like a terrorist so seriously guys these are sit rep slash jim arisk and e johnson original productions these are his brainchild so we'd love to see people actually play in person with these you know and of course some of the more popular stuff we can throw out there as well um you know we have i i have the rourke's drift set i really would love to get on the table surprise um you know, and some other things. So, um, the Alamo, we saw the Alamo and you know what? I saw somebody take that Alamo set and turn it into an Afghani village. Uh, yeah, I saw that as well. You know, you, you know, uh, if you, uh, kind of, uh, decorate it upright, yep. uh, you know, put the, put the, the right finishes on there. It's, it's pretty passable. Yeah. So we could do, uh, uh, you know, skirmish Hangin or ultra combat modern or whatever rules that specter, um, you know, we we'll have terrain options. We'll have to, but we want to hear from you guys out there listening to us. Make sure you let us know. So, um, so with the size of driveway you have, what about uh, harpoon? <laughs> you know, I purchased that recently. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, uh, have you even looked at the rule book, Chris? Yeah, it's big. <laughs> He's looked at it sitting on his shelf. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if my driveway is even big enough for Harpoon, to be honest with you. Harpoon isn't that bad. It's just um, very, very detail-oriented, and it's much more about electronics. It's not a very pew-pew kind of a game. Yeah. Um, you know, not a lot of musket balls flying around. It's very – I've said it a hundred times. You know, the first couple times you play Harpoon, you're like, oh, I want this because it's got all the missiles <laughs> and, this, and the phalanx systems. On. It's going to be fucking awesome, man. Your third game of Harpoon – how many sensors, how many sonars, uh-huh. how many helicopters, sensors, sonar, helicopters. I'm not talking about helicopters. I'm talking about like um, Seahawks that drop sonar boys. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, missiles and Apaches and all the crazy stuff. Right. It's, uh, you know, there's three important things in, in, uh, in, in Harpoon. And uh, to rank them from top to bottom, it's sensors, sensors, and then uh, more sensors. It's a it's a hide and seek game to be sure. Yeah. Because I mean, there's no terrain. You're not hiding a ship. You've got missiles that fly 400 miles and do you know Mach two. Um, your ship isn't going to dodge that at 30 knots. 
it's uh it's you know nothing ever misses everything gets hit dies it's it's all about whether or not you're detected or not exactly so it's it's a different kind of gaming it's a lot of fun um we've been we've kind of flirted around the edges of it with uh, um naval command by rory crab um in a couple settings but it's it's just a different kind of war gaming to be honest well and if you want to play a uh, naval game the Bill, don't you have a starter set for Victory at Sea? I do. We can put that on the table as well. Um, well scale are those miniatures again oh, for Victory at Sea? Where are they? Like what? Million? Eighteen hundredths? Yeah, hold on, I got the rule book yeah, right got, here. I was going to say, I've got a crap ton of uh, eighteen hundred miniatures for I've, World War Two. Yeah, I, I don't have anything modern for miniatures, so I can't really help out with harpoon on a physical board. But I got tons of World War Two stuff in eighteen and now one to eighteen hundred. Uh, let's see. Hell no. And if we're doing nautical, I also have uh, oak and iron. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the opposite. That's no detection in all <laughs> cannonballs because <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you have to sink a ship made of wood. Mm-hmm. All right. Wood with, a, with a ball of iron. Yeah. Wood does not sink. It's an, it's startlingly difficult to sink a wooden ship. Um, so it takes a lot of shooting. You can incapacitate it fairly easily. Unless you set it on fire or explode its magazine, it's, it's going to be tough to see. That's why there's so many boarding actions, but, you know, number one, it's also fun, but it's shockingly hard to sink those stupid things. Well, that, and, you know, back in the day, odds are they didn't want to sink the ship. They wanted the ship. Yep. You can sell that bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier, you know, they didn't have scuba back then, so they couldn't recover the treasure off the bottom. Well, the ship itself was worth money, so you could take it and either keep it if it was a better ship than what you had, or sell it. So, or just yeah, increase the size of your little armada and yep. you know conduct bigger raids and actions and such. So yeah. now we're now we're basically playing Sid Meier's Pirates. We start off with a little pinnace, <laughs> and uh, we have like five heavy frigates. Too bad each heavy frigate has like five crewmen aboard. Yeah. So you're sailing at like three knots because you don't have enough guys to run the ship correctly. That's, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think those rules um, in history, those rules didn't go away until like 1805, 1806, because um, it was leading to some dumb decisions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, captains would not sink the enemy ship. They would try to steal it or board it and capture it. And then they would literally just sell the ship back to their own Navy for, you know, the captain would get to keep like 50% of the money. The officers whack up, um, you know, the other 25% and the last 25% gets, you know, divided among the, you know, the, the enlisted men or something like that. There was a whole system. I can't, I don't, I, I don't know the details, but uh, yeah, prize money. And they would just literally sell the ship. I mean, not so much like Spanish gold treasure, but like actual French naval ships. Um, there's no treasure on board. They would just sell the warship itself. Yeah, to be sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, if, you know, if they wanted, to, uh, you know, maybe they wanted the cannons off of it. To, you know, they're going to sell the boat, but they're going to keep the the cannons themselves for themselves and better outfit their own boat. Yeah. You know. Or you know, things don't change in time because even then, ammo and uh, weapons were expensive. Yep. Awesome. So there's even if, an option. Even if the French or uh, Spanish, which they kind of were, the French or Spanish cannon were not, uh, were kind of inferior to the guns that the British had on there. The, hey, the black powder is still hella valuable because those ships can only sail for too many. And it wasn't exactly, you know, a tender ship out there ready to uh, resupply you Yeah. with, uh, you know, a whole new magazine of black powder. Yep. And 
that was a great way to get some more. Go get it off of someone else's boat. There you go. So, thinking of other options for a gaming weekend, Jim, I think um, if this happens and there's interest, I would have Valor and Victory printed. Uh, we could do the modern supplement. Ooh, I have none of the uh, the modern stuff printed. I have all World War II stuff printed, including the maps. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know how you can um, order the print to order? Maybe we could just do that and just, you know, if we can get the counters so we can get them printed up, uh, you know, and have them actually put on. Do you actually do cardboard on them or, um, when you yeah, print your print? Wow. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's how you do Valorant Victory. Oh, yeah. That's how you used to do Valorant Victory before they came out with their great uh, video game release. Yeah. Is uh, you would just download the sheet of counters, uh, slap it on a nice sheet of, like, cardboard. Um mm-hmm. I used artist map board because uh-huh. I like to be super fancy. Also, when rule number one of Hex Encounter games, rule number two of Hex Encounter games, and rule number three of Hex Encounter games are actually all the same. Print your counters on the thickest cardstock that your hands don't get a cramp when you go to cut them with a pair of scissors or a razor blade because nice, thick, chunky counters are so much easier to handle. Um, people often just do it on like a sheet of cardboard that comes on the back of a notepad or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's super fast, it's super easy, but you're going to be killing yourself trying to, to, you know, so hard those time. Yeah. yeah. Pick them up or move them around. Yeah. Um, I've got a set of Panzer leader counters that I, uh, that I played with, uh, oh man, what happened to my, am I still on the, am I still on the, the call? Yeah, you're here. Okay. Cause yeah, my computer here. just, my, my computer just turned off. What Weird. Weird. Um, I have no idea what the hell just happened. Huh. That's not good because I have a, I have a stream going in a couple minutes. Uh-oh. Anyway, yeah, counters. Um, I have them on a uh, what you call it. Uh, I, I I go to the, if you go to like Michael's Craft Store, you can buy a whole plastic bag of blank Scrabble wooden tiles, um, just without the letters on them from a, the game, the board game Scrabble or whatever. Uh-huh. And um, it's a lot of work, but damn, you got some nice deluxe counters. Though. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, they stack up like poker chips, and they're 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 awesome. Um, but speaking of a potential game for uh, any kind of a game uh, of a gaming weekend, I've got tons of 15 millimeter um, World War II. Like I've shown my case a couple times on Discord, like literally 1,200 vehicles plus, and Battle Group plays really good in 15 millimeter. Nice, awesome. I think it's originally written for 20, but it plays really good at 15. Fantastic. I'm in. I'm in. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we definitely uh, have to get on this. So, guys, let's try this again, shall we? Uh, let's see if we can get uh, a gaming weekend planned up. Um, we'll have to see, you know, where everybody feels the best timing is and go from there. So, awesome. All right. Does anybody else have anything as far as, um, you know, projects or ideas uh, one last thing before i forget um i really liked the format of the first look first review impression video that jim and i did on wednesday night we're probably going to do more of those where we just take something we have not actually done anything with and capture our first impressions on it um you know some of it's probably gonna be stuff that we've not personally played before might not have a lot of knowledge or there might be a comparative, I don't know, but um, I kind of like that, you know, getting to know something a little bit, and uh, that's... Yeah, as long as the viewers are kind of cognizant and aware of the format, which yeah. is self-evident in the title, First Impressions, 
Um, I know sometimes, uh, like in the video game community and like live streaming on Twitch or whatever, um, there are people who do like unboxings or first looks or things like that. Some people are like, oh, yeah, but it's really fun to, to watch people play a game. They don't know what the hell's going on. Well, that's right. the whole idea of first impressions yeah. is it's brand new. You're trying to figure out where the menus are, trying to figure out how the game functionality works and things like that. Um, you're not like an expert tutorial, like, you know, a risk of you playing, you know, Panzer Blitz or something like that. It's right. going to be, oh, this is the this is literally a first look. It's not a master class. I think as long as people are aware of that, um, yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, yeah. people do unboxings, people do first looks, reaction videos um, all the time, certainly. It's a journey of discovery. There you go. Very cool. All right. Uh, Marty, you have any projects or anything you want to talk about, or are you good? Well, uh, after I go shopping through all of your terrain, I'll let you know. <laughs> all right. No, no. Other than that, uh, you know, uh, like I said, those dudes from uh, Chris Long is what I'm going to start working on next. I think. You know what? I think I might have to print up some of those because I backed that Kickstarter as well. So I, I might have to print up some just to see how they print up. So, and I still have uh, the Bob Mac uh, Kickstarter. I got to print up some tanks, man. I got some yeah. tanks I got to print up, see how they come out. Um, I got all kinds of stuff I got to do. <laughs> so much stuff and not enough time. Uh, literally, you could devote right. your entire life to just doing this. And that's how I kind of got started. You know, this is blame Beast of War. If it wasn't for Beast of War, I would not have half the crap I do. So it's all their fault. So, you know, that's what happens when you're. Yeah, part- we'll go with that. Yeah, no, truly it is, you know, because, you know, we were part of the, the team and we were covering conventions and games. And, you know, when you're in the industry, you, you get your hands on a lot of stuff and it accumulates, you know. So, right. Um, yeah, just got to work through it. So, all right. Chris, did you have any products or any ideas that you wanted to throw out there? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, hopefully uh, getting my. Um, Oak and Iron uh, ships ready. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. I'll have to do a little video on that one because I haven't seen a lot of stuff on that on YouTube. I imagine there is. I haven't really like gone on my way to look for it, but it would be nice to have an impression on that game. Um, That's the same people who do Blood and Plunder, right? Yes, it is. And now they have yeah, that World War One rule set too. So. Which, yeah, now that one I'm familiar with. I actually played a couple turns of that uh, with the designers at Historicon 2019. Uh, a demo game of that. Um, awesome. But the Broken Iron one looks like it's less of a skirmish game and more of an actual battle game. Like the, the scale is zoomed out a little bit. Uh, right. If I have the correct impressions. That looks a little bit more interesting to me than um, a pirate skirmish game. Uh, Broken Iron is more of a naval war game. Right. Which, yeah, right. yeah. That actually yeah. looks pretty awesome. Being able to, you know, you know, use the wind and everything else to, you know, cut off and do whatever you need to do. Sweet. Yeah, and essentially you're a, not even a captain. You're more like an admiral uh, controlling your little fleet going up against another one. Yeah. So, you know, there was one other thing I guess we should kind of talk about, but I I don't really have much interest in it, but it's Mythic Games has a Kickstarter going on right now. Um, Six Siege. It's based on Rainbow Six Siege. Um, it's a it's a board game. 
with miniatures, I, I know nothing about it. I don't play Rainbow Six. I think the last version of Rainbow Six I played was like the first one or second one that ever came out. So, um, but if you know if that's your thing, I, I'm looking at this. Obviously, it's a different world because I'm thinking, okay, half of these guys don't have weapons or anything that looks like real, and and they have stupid face paint stuff. I mean, just as an example, so. I don't know much about this. Do you guys know anything about this? Chris, you're a video gamer. You know yeah, about I'm not familiar with that, though. Okay. So it looks like you... You know, I want to be fair, because I do like Mythic Games, and I know the people there. Um, but I'm just wondering how this, how a video game translates to the board game, or a tabletop game. Uh, it's an asymmetrical and tactical game based on the claim shooter from Ubisoft, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Asians from different task forces are recruited into Team 6 and are trained to avert a global crisis. They compete in friendly matches, either as attackers or defenders. Okay. Um, it's out there if you guys are into that kind of thing. It's worked before. Um, the whole, I mean, we, we talk often about uh, turning a uh, board game or a miniatures game into a computer game. That, you know, going one way definitely works. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, it actually, like, Harpoon's a good example. Harpoon, I think, really... Um, was successful-ish as a um, as a miniatures or, a, or a, I would say tabletop game, but I really mean like a tennis court top game mm-hmm. or a driveway game. Um, but you know, as like as a physical game, it really kind of took off as a as a uh, computer game because like, it's there's a lot of detail on that, and it helps when the computer is there to help you with the detail and tracking all the details and the paper not paperwork, but you know, all the all the all the tracking information that goes into it. Right. Reversing that. Uh, turning a video game into a tabletop game, it has worked. Um, I don't know if this one works because I haven't actually seen any information on it. Uh-huh. Um, I believe uh, Dark Souls and uh, some of that stuff was turned into a tabletop game. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, of course, it started off as a big, you know, um, a video game, obviously, and it was, you know, as successful as far as I know as a uh, as a board game as well. Um, just of course, it's not going to be as fast. As a uh, as a video game, right? Uh, the whole Rainbow Six thing. Um, I never played any Rainbow Six. I did do some of the old like console based Tom Clancy stuff. Um, more of the uh, Ghost Ops. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's quite the same franchise as Rainbow Six. Um, I always thought Ghost Ops was a little more realistic, and even that one wasn't that realistic. So yeah, the whole Rainbow Six stuff. Like you were mentioning, like some of the weapons. When you say they don't look real, do they look like sci-fi kind of? Yeah, weapons? there's. I'm just looking at some of these miniatures, you know. And I mean, I see a tactical shotgun that looks good, and then you you see some of them like, is that a laser gun or you know? Um, obviously it's a video game, right? You know, they're gonna have, but some of them look, you know, I don't know. It just maybe it's just not my cup of tea. Um, well, some of the Ghost Ops games and even Call of Duty games went into like near future. Yeah. Uh, some of the weapons may not be technically like you know phaser rifles from Star Trek or anything, but they are going to be a little not so much sci-fi, but like five minutes in the future kind of stuff. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. If I, I would hope that if they're going to make a, a table game, that would be more like the original Rainbow Six. Hmm. Uh, because that way it would tie more into the book, but more and more uh, Tom stuff is just being um, created just using his name. 
um, while the like movie Without Remorse was a very good movie, um, it had only a couple things that were the same as the book. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. Oh yeah, that goes back to Hunt for Red October. Hunt yeah. for Red October is bears a, a passing resemblance to the novel, and um, yeah. that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah. And how many people have played Jack Ryan by now? I mean, come on. It's worse than James Bond or Batman. <laughs> Pick a guy and settle on it. Well, you know. Yeah, I still say I still say Harrison Ford is my is my Jack Ryan. Oh, I agree. I agree on yeah, that. Yeah, no. These other guys, these other guys oh, for are too sure, young. 100%. Too young. Jack Ryan is not a 20-something action hero. Read the freaking books. People. Right. Yeah. But, you know, some of the stuff, different people uh, were I, – I can't see him – being the same one through all the different movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, I always kind of figured that, like, James Bond was, like, almost like a title. Like, oh, you get to be done below seven. You're, because like, you're a spy, right. you're probably going to have assumed identity anyway. You are now James Bond. Exactly. In the 60s. Hello, Sean Connery. And then by the year 2012, okay, it can't be the same guy anymore. Right. Obviously. So it's almost like James Bond is a t- almost like the Black Pirate Roberts from Princess Bride. It, uh-huh. It's a name that gets passed down through the generations. Kind exactly. Of I mean, but to be, but the problem with that is in Skyfall, you know, you see his parents' grave. Um, but, however, guys, because you, you brought it up, Jim, I got to go there. You guys have to watch. There's a video on YouTube that correlates Sean Connery's James Bond with The Rock and how the Jan, John Mason is James Bond. Put it. Oh, <laughs> that's all a shared universe now? I'm serious. You watch this video, and he, the dude that put this video does such a deep dive he correlates timelines and locations, and he makes a compelling argument that John Mason is James Bond. So that's why George Lazenby and Roger Moore actually took over because yeah. the original James Bond wound up being a, a prisoner in the United States. Yes, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, it goes into how J- James Bond is not his real name, you know, and it, it really does a strong argument that that could be quote-unquote James Bond. So if you guys haven't seen that video, it's out there. Take a look at it. It's really, really well done. And it convinced me. I'm like, holy crap, that could so be now real. I'm intrigued. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's Fan really theories cool. are, uh, sometimes they're just dumb. It's like, did you, like, okay, Mr. Fan, who came up with this theory, you did not watch the movie because it's clear. Like, people who say that uh, the new Mad Max in Fury Road is the feral kid from uh, Mad Max 2, the World Warrior, uh-huh. clearly did not watch the in World Warrior, they tell you who the feral kid is. Other fan theories are actually pretty, uh, are actually pretty interesting. People put out a lot of work into that, and uh, sometimes they, it really, like you're saying here, sometimes it really does line up. But there are some bad ones out there too. Yeah. Well, and sometimes that stuff lines up a lot better than the way the new producers and directors, yeah, new movies. Because the fans, the fans put more work into the screenplay than the friggin' screenwriters do. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. All right, guys. Cool. Um, anybody else have any last thoughts or input before we close out the show for this uh, this week? Uh, I'm good. All right. Yeah. I think you need to share some I, of your uh, 20, 45 Colt. I'm sorry. Say that again? I think you need to share some of your 45 Colt. Uh, I don't think so because I have a Henry rifle. I love that thing. <laughs> 
And so no, I, but however, my Henry rifle doesn't shoot 45 Colt. It shoots uh, 357. I am going to get a 45 Colt Henry. I have to because my I have my six shooter obviously in 45 Colt. I need to have them both in the same caliber. So that it's on my wish list. So. Don, that's not me. Do not blame me for that. You, you noticed I said nothing. Uh, I, you know the funny thing is, Marty. I, I yesterday I I finally got around to unboxing the uh, other gun shelf. You know the wooden, real nice thing. Um, yeah. Yesterday, it's only been a year since I received it, and I went, Don. She's like, "What?" I said, uh, "I need to buy a new gun because this gun shelf really needs its own gun, not something I already have." She's like, no. And I'm like, okay. You know it's going to happen. Once again, not my fault. <laughs> I did not have anything to do with this. Uh, Gone. So yeah, You're in trouble enough with your own wife. Uh, <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to figure that one out. But, you know, for everybody out there who uh, sticks with us, hobby, hey, guys, we hit over 500 subscribers or followers on Facebook. Yeah. Last week. And as of today, uh, Jim, I haven't looked. Have you looked today where we're at, bud? Uh, 596. Four, four away. Come on. Ugh. People. So close. We only have a few more days till the end of the month. And Jim predicted we would hit 600 by the end of the month. Don't let Jim I, down. I was hoping to hit 600. <laughs> 600 was our annual right. goal to hit by December 31st. Right. If we hit it exactly halfway through the year, just like we did last year, that would just be... Just like uh, last year. It would be borderline creepy. <laughs> it would be such a coincidence again. So, friends, um, countrymen, Romans, etc., tell your friends, tell your neighbors, please, we're only four away. We can do this. He got me your... Sneak onto your wife's computer, your brother's computer, your girlfriend's <laughs> computer. Subscribe when they're not looking. We just need four more subscribers. Right? So make sure. Fire up my other burner account. <laughs> so please, we guys. All have, we all have more than one account, guys. We all know what we do. When we go into Google incognito mode. Don't pretend like you don't. Don't pretend like you don't. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Help a help a brother out. You're right. Right. I prefer the you know real subscribers though. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. if you wouldn't mind uh, passing the word, hitting that like, subscribe, notification bell, all those things you do on all the platforms, help us get to that 600. And um, I, I could see a prize going out for our Facebook 500 and a prize going out for our, uh, YouTube 600. So, um, yeah, let's let's do this, guys. We're only a couple away. We can do this. All right, guys. For the rest of the crew here at the Sit Rep Podcast, we want to appreciate. We appreciate hey, everything hey, you do. Go ahead. Uh, one quick one yes. uh, before we uh, we hang it up. Uh, Ralph, one of our former members. I just wanted to give a shout out to him. His dad passed away this yeah. week. So, Ralph, our uh, condolences to you and the family, and you're in our thoughts. Buddy. Yes. So, uh, thank you guys, everybody, for continuing your support. Uh, our three-year anniversary is on July eighth, so we've been. It seems like more than three years, but well, sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. But thank you for being with us, especially those who have been with us from the beginning. We appreciate it, and we will see you on the next episode. You have been listening to the Citrep Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the show. 
Make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch and Discord. Remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast. And don't forget our other programming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Thanks for listening. 